Oh, thank you, choir. Well done. The choir has got a, a lot coming up in this season, if you don't know. Uh, we're really excited. Palm Sunday, they're going to be actually singing an extended work. It's based on the seven last words. It's by Dubois, I think. It's going to be something really different and exciting for us as a church. I know they have a ton planned for Easter, so this is an exciting season. How's everyone doing? I uh, thank Brad for service, and I thank him again for mentioning that I'm teaching during announcements because then everyone that doesn't want to hear me already left. So hopefully you that are here are people that actually want to hear me. How's the youth doing today? All right. I had a chance to uh, go on the uh, high school, went up to Wolf Creek last weekend for a little snow ski, snowboard skiing weekend. And it was kind of a relief for me because back when I was in the high school group, I... You know, I skied since I was four, but I never was much of a trick jump kind of guy. But everyone in the group was, you know, Matt and Brandon and Ty and all these guys. So uh, I was content. Back then, I always tried to keep up with them and do stuff that hurt myself. In fact, I did hurt myself often, uh, breaking bones the one season that I ever got a pass on the first day. But that's another story. I was content this trip with the high school to just be part of the uh, camera crew, so to speak, and watching these guys kill themselves off the jumps. There's actually a lot of impressive talent in the high school group right now. Uh, definitely no fear on the mountain. Uh, but Matt and I, Matt and I are feeling old, I think. But we we felt good not hurting ourselves. I think at the end of the day, so that was exciting. Well, if you don't know, uh, it's Oscar week. Academy Awards are tonight, and uh, I can't say that I've actually seen a lot of the movies. And I think part of that is because I, I was a little disappointed with the Academy not picking some of my favorites from 07. I just wrote a short list. Uh, whatever happened to Bratz, the movie? I guess I was kind of expecting to see a nomination there somewhere. Um, and the stunning acting of Martin Lawrence. I mean, once again, a big year for Martin Lawrence. I just picked that name out of the hat. You see, most of you didn't even see his movie, which is a good thing. Uh, Step Up 2, but I guess that's 08, so I guess we have to wait another year before we get that Best Picture nomination. Just uh, so many gems out there. We're actually going to be doing our own little Best Picture Award here in a few minutes. But before we do that, I, I want to give you a little history about film here at West Bulls. We actually pride ourselves at the church. Uh, we feel that we are pioneers in the industry of film. And some of you are laughing. I, by the way, I said to first service, people are like, I never know if Craig's joking or serious. I never know. I think you just need to lean on the side if I'm joking. And then occasionally maybe I'll be serious today. Uh, but we really do feel we're pioneers in the film industry over the years. Um, John Burns, if you don't know this, the reason you see this incredible stuff on Sunday mornings is because John actually wasn't raised in a traditional family. He was raised in a video editing studio uh, since, he was a young, since he was a young boy. So he was deprived of a family life just so that he could learn to do this stuff. Um, seriously, though, when I came to the group in 96, the big thing was the youth video every year. It still is. Um, but that was, that was cutting edge. And John didn't work full time at the church then, but he was the one that produced the video. And since then, he's uh, trained. He's like the patriarch. You know, he's trained all these, uh, these guys to be editors, and there's a lot of talent around. Um, but my first year in the group, they did a video that to me is still a, it's still a breakthrough independent film. It's called, it was called The Line. Um, I just want to give you a little taste because some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. Now, you're gonna, I'm going to show you a clip in a minute here, but it's not going to look that exciting now. But let me tell you, in 1996, nobody had this technology. This was our Wizard of Oz moment when we went. Uh, the concept of this video was that we were in black and white running through this forest, and eventually we got to this line, and it was kind of like coming to faith was stepping over the line into color. Okay, And it took like the best video editors in Denver came together and had this council to create this effect on screen of this line. So you're going to see and you're going to be like, wow, I can do that on my computer at home. But in 96, not the case. 
and I just wanted to give you a little taste of my early acting days here at the church. It's, it may not blow you away, but it blows me away every time. Uh, so we're going to get a we're going to get a little look at uh, this is the line from uh, 9697. Now there's Jeremiah too. Yep, there's me. Yep. That uh, I think John added that little double take, triple take there. Wow. That's okay, don't clap. Um, <laughs> looks so thin and stuff. Um, you know what's funny about watching video with Jeremiah from 10, 15 years ago? Is he never changes. He looks exactly the same. Like, today, he's going to look that way for forever. Uh, that, was, that was the line, um, and that was special. But uh, that was just to give you a taste. Now, without, without any further delay, I want to give you the nominees for West Bowl's 2007 uh, Picture of the Year. Here they go. Harley versus Vespa. A hip pastor challenges a young rebel to a high-stakes street race. Starring George Kirsten, written directed John Burns, costume design Craig Mason, George Kirsten. George, go! Come on, he's getting ahead of you! And they're up! George Kirsten, oh, running like a beautiful gazelle. Legs pumping, pistons grinding. Uh, shorts a little too short, but that's okay. You need them for speed. Craig Nason riding the first lap, looking beautiful, like a wonderful uh, stork driving a motorcycle. That's what comes to mind. Chris gets wrecked. Overconfidence proves to be deadly at a local chili cook-off. Starring Carl Mecklenburg. Written directed, Chris Sage. Action choreography, Kirk Shrek. At halftime, Carl Mecklenburg's actually come and talk to us. Carl Mecklenburg? That's him. Number 77, the snow goose? That's the guy. Great googly moogly, is that guy still alive? He was like 80 in the 80s. On Tecmo Bowl, it was like a statue if you ended up playing with him. Okay, you know what? When it doesn't work out, let me know. I will totally come to a motivational speech. You got something to say to me? Say it to my face. My son could take you. Sorry, Mr. Mecklenburgs. Big bus runs over things. A local church bus tests its weight on local produce. Starring the Flame Bus. Narration by Kevin Cook. Produced by Micah Beatty. All right, let's try some fabulous Bar S hot dogs. That's 12 for 20 cents. All right. Crank it up. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like a little ketchup with my hot dogs. Into Dust. Three stories collide to paint the picture of God's radical love. Written, directed, produced, Ryan Wellborn. Starring Grace Burns, Ty Ellick, Hudson Gautier. All right, here it is. The award for best, uh, best film 2007 goes to Ryan Wellborn, Into Dust. Give him a hand. 
Here he is. Oof. Feels good to win. Feels good to win. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it feels good to be nominated too, but yeah, just not the same. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry, Chris. Uh, hi, Ryan. Hi. How's hi. it going? Very well. How are you? People didn't. People didn't know what to do. Are we just going to leave that live cam up the rest of the, the morning? <laughs> people are like waiting for something to happen. Oh well, here's Ryan. And uh, if you don't know Ryan Wellborn, this is a. Uh, one of the first guys I met when I came to the youth group, he's worked with our youth for years. Uh, he's been a big part of what we do. He still uh, works with the high school and college on a lot of levels. So we're grateful for Ryan, and we're going to be watching his, his uh, film here in a minute. So I'm excited about that. I, I told this first service only because when we're together, it's worth telling people this story. And I honestly, we don't have time to tell all the details. But Ryan's significant in, in my church history because the first, and this is true, uh, the first night I came to uh, the youth group, and uh, a week before I started high school, 1996, uh, my first night here, I was on my way to a, a youth group party after youth group. It was in the summer, and uh, I got in a car with Ryan. I had just met him, and we went to get gas at a gas station by Southwest Plaza. Happened to be in Denver County, if you know how Denver creeps down there. Well, and there also happened to be some Denver police there, and there also happened to be a little thing called curfew at 11. Uh, a little curfew program. So they came and talked to us, and sure enough, we were underage, and uh, they decided it was necessary uh, to put us in handcuffs and take us downtown. Uh, so my mom, who thought I was spending the night at my friend Kevin's house uh, after youth group, gets a call from Denver police, we have your son in custody, and, uh, and she thought it was my other brother, which would have made more sense. Uh, but... <laughs> But turns out it was me, so yeah, she had to pick us up downtown, and we had to go to a, what was it called? Uh, safe night. Safe night, which was kind of like a restoration class for your... Uh, uh, get us off the streets. Yeah, get us off the streets, youth with angst that needed some direction, so... About a half an hour in, yeah. we were helping lead the class. Yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> so, that was my first night at the church, that's not a joke. Uh... I always use that when I work with the high school because, you know, there'd be a visitor and be like, I, I had a tough first night. I didn't really meet anyone. I was like, I'll tell you about a tough first night. Uh, so all joking aside, though, that my reason for wanting to teach this morning was when I saw this video that Ryan did for the youth video this year called Into Dust. I felt like uh, I feel like the church should celebrate its artists, especially original art. And I think this video is something special. And I thought it was something that the whole church should see. So um, before we actually watch it together, I thought we'd just talk to Ryan and, and you can share share with us a little bit about it. So I'm just going to ask you a few few questions. Um, I know you put a lot into the vision and production of this film. So maybe you can give us an idea of what your inspiration was and uh, what you were hoping to create on screen. Well, my main objective or vision, I guess, of the video is to show something that I came to realize long after I had first become a Christian, but uh, through various verses and parables in the Bible of what relationships God says ours with him should be like, what they can look like and what he's hoping for with us. And uh, one of the first verses you see is, I, I no longer call you servants, I now call you friends. And that was something that... I. I was always comfortable with the master-servant relationship. The, I'm a worker and very driven by guilt to do that, to be a worker and just try to please and please and please. And I had this distant master. And uh, these verses never sat well with me that um, the parable, many parables of um, 
a father to son relationship or uh, a host and his guests or being called a friend or the um, one where he says that uh, as a groom looks on his, unto his bride, so does the Lord look unto you. And I was never comfortable with those. And after coming to that realization, much later in my faith, I, I wanted to show that and not only show that, but show it from his perspective and what that means for him and what role that puts him into and how he experiences that both when we accept our role and when we don't mm-hmm. and that dynamic and it, it's, it's shown through each of the scenes. Right. So you use, you kind of weave three stories together um, throughout, throughout the film. Do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you, you already have a little bit, but mm-hmm. what, what those stories are and what they're kind of giving voice to one message and what is, what is that? Right. Well, we, we see the, the host inviting guests and preparing for a party just to, just to be with friends and um, very excited, taking a lot of time on the invitations. You see her delivering the invitations and really excited and anticipating the arrival of her friends. And each of the stories you see kind of a simultaneously see two versions of the same story. You see both when the friends do accept the invitation and come to the party and when they don't. And you see the host's reaction when, when no one shows up. And then the next is uh, we see a bride, I'm sorry, we see a groom waiting for his bride like on his wedding day and he's just in anticipation, he's nervous and excited and, and he's got the ring, you know, he's got his promise uh, of a commitment that he's made to her and, and he's just waiting for her and, we, and then we see her coming and, and how excited he is and just and how he looks onto her and just his focus is completely on her and he's just overjoyed and then we also see him if she stands him up like him standing there with just his ring and he starts to get nervous and he's, and he's not sure really what to feel and uh, we see him drop the ring and then later we actually see him pick it back up and like he's still got hope that she's going to come. And uh, then the third, we see uh, a father just going to a playground with his sons. And he's, he brings them to a place that is designed just for them and just for them to play with each other. And we also see him without them and how out of place he is not being able to be a father with children, not being able to experience mm-hmm. something that he's brought them to, something that's with each of them been prepared for them mm-hmm. wow um the song it's called into dust the video and that's based on the song that you used do you want to share is there any significance to the song and the lyrics and how that plays into the message you're sharing through the video yeah absolutely uh the lyrics go off of or go hand in hand with the first first quote that you see which is by thomas merton and he says without hope and love we are strangers to god and uh being strangers with God, um, all, of, all of the lyrics became really powerful to me if you look at them as if they were thoughts of Christ when he was on the cross. And the emotions felt, the, the lyrics, there are lyrics like fallen, broken, um, my hands shook with the weight of fear. Uh, and, and it talks about these, these feelings that Jesus had on the cross, which, which are feelings that... Uh, are foreign to God. God 
doesn't know fear, doesn't know these human emotions and these human feelings. But Christ on the cross is, was him dying for us. And it's almost like, he, through the lyrics, that uh, he's not sure if it's going to be worth it or not. Because this was a, an act where he takes, he takes the decision of the relationship and puts it in our hands. And uh, one of the lyrics is, I could possibly be fading or have something more to gain. And he's no longer in control of that. He gives us the choice uh, if we will accept our role in this relationship. And I could possibly be fading if, if we deny that role. It turns Christ on the cross into just a man and eventually just into dust if we're estranged to him as, as well as ourselves. It just turns us into dust. Into dust. And, but if we accept our role in the relationship, then there's just both sides of the relationship are completely fulfilled and God becomes what he's hoped for, a father, a friend, uh, looking on to us as, as a groom looks on to a bride mm-hmm. and just overjoyed and fulfilled. And so those are kind of feelings of how God, how God views us. And then you leave us with the question at the end, what about you? Who do you say I am? So why did you choose that as kind of maybe a, a closing question? Right. Well, with all of the videos, we try and have it be some kind of something that will make you think and uh, something you can take away with. And it ends with a question that Jesus asked his disciples. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And I end with that because I, I want it to become, become a question for you, for us, for the youth, uh, even myself. Because at a time, I, I only understood him as a distant master. And then he's calling me this, he's calling me, saying, no, you're, I, I don't look at you that way. I look at you as a friend, I look at you as a son. And so then, but who do you say I am? And it's a question that, do I answer? I look at you as a friend. I look at you as, as you see me, as your beloved. Uh, I look at you as my father, who just wants to enjoy me and have both sides of the relationship completely fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, let's watch it. This is Into Dust.
Thanks, Ryan. Come a long way since the line, I think. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real gift, I think, that video. Well, we're going to hang with that idea of love and hope for a little bit, a few more minutes. Uh, the season is Lent. Uh, Annika reminded us again. And we call that the, the 40 days, not counting Sundays, that we lead uh, towards Easter. We prepare for Easter. And I think we hear that. Maybe we ask the question, well, what are we preparing for exactly? Why do we, why do we need to prepare for Easter every year? Uh, and I thought a little bit about my own circumstances right now. We're in the process of uh, selling our condo because we're having another baby in June, so we need a little bit more space. And if you don't know, this is uh, a great seller's market. Um, so it's taking no time. No, we just started the whole process. But part of the thing when you're selling a place is you have to be ready at any point to uh, have a showing, right? So for us, that's a little tricky because we're in a smaller space and we have kids. So if you get the call, you've got to be ready to clean. Well, we got a call on Friday and Cassie wasn't home yet and, I, and the kids were there and, and uh, toys were out and different things. And the showing was in 30 minutes. So it was kind of warp speed, clean, get everything ready sort of thing. And uh, Cassie showed up. We got it all. We got it all done and, you know, launched out of the house. And, and Elijah, who's my four year old, he looked at me and he said, it takes a long time to sell a house. And I said, thanks a lot for the uh, good omen there, Elijah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if a seller wants to be at a closing someday, a seller has to prepare the house. And I think it's uh, sort of the same as we look at Lent and Holy Week and Easter and all that this should represent to us. You know, God revealing his passion, the cross, the resurrection. How much more should we prepare for these things uh, than selling a house? So in this case, it's a time to prepare to embrace what those things mean in our lives. And for me personally, as I get closer to Easter, I'm given a chance to more deeply consider the identity of Jesus and maybe even more so how he identifies me, right? That's kind of what we see in this video is the names that God calls us in a sense. So we're going to spend a few minutes on that angle. How does the Father view us? How does God view us? What is his love like for us? Maybe you have an idea. We're going to look in uh, the Gospel of Luke, if you want to go there with us. It's chapter 15. And we're going to read the parable of the lost son, sometimes called the parable of the prodigal son. This is probably one of, the, one of Jesus' most recognized parables, really well-known story. Even if you're not that familiar with Scripture or Jesus' teaching, you've probably heard this story, or you've probably heard it retold in ways. I was just looking at different uh, Things in pop culture, you know, books and songs and movies that use the idea. It's, it's pretty well known. We're going to read together, uh, starting in verse 11 of Luke 15. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now someone reminded me uh, before the service that this is a huge, significant start. Because in that day, to say that you wanted your share of the estate was almost to wish death upon your father because you're saying, I want what I would get when you're gone and I want it now. You're dead to me. So this is in a sense what the younger son is saying. It's pretty severe. It's a pretty crazy family already. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there, he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, so far, this looks like the younger son may have made a bad choice, right? 
So he's wasted the wealth that he had. Now there's a famine. Uh, now he's out with the pigs. And as I said before, in first service, the pigs didn't really, you know, Jewish culture didn't have a high view of the pigs. So he's not even blessed with a, an animal that, that is good. So here we are in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So this is interesting to me because actually his first thought is, uh, I'm dying of famine, starving, and everyone at my dad's house has food and they're taken care of. That's his first thought. So to me, it's like, is this son really sincere about going to the father and saying, I've sinned against heaven and against you? Or is it just he knows that he thinks that's what he's going to have to do to get back in some place where he can survive? So it's hard to say how sincere he is at this point. Um, but let's find out what happens. In verse 20, he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So that's the line he worked up, right? Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And while he, when he came near to the house, he heard music, dancing, thinking, what's going on? He called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother, was, your, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because of him, uh, because he, is, he has him safe back, and, back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you have killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So much in this story. You've got the painting here. This is Rembrandt's version of the prodigal son. It's actually a book that we have available in our library called The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. Um, and it deals with this painting, actually, and how he interacted with it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what happened here. We know this younger son, he made some poor decisions, right? Not only did he, you know, take everything, his inheritance from his father early, he wasted it. And then probably even more than that, he has ignored every lesson his father probably taught him in doing that. He's, he's, he's really done a lot of offensive things to the family. Probably a letdown, maybe, to the father, Right? But a shocking thing happens as the son finally decides to return. You know, he comes back and he's probably expecting an anger, an anger, a rightful anger from his father, his own shame, maybe even condemnation. And instead, he's greeted with a tender, joyful, celebrating father. So what has happened here? What's the message? Of all the son had squandered and wasted, he could not crush the unfailing love that the father held in his heart. The father assures the prodigal his love is not shifted or changed. So this then is how God views us as the beloved, right? Deeply treasured and loved. In spite of our mistakes, our failings, we are deeply loved in God's eyes. 
We talk about names, right? Not, not my name, Craig Mason, but the names we've been given uh, by family, by friends. In other words, maybe growing up you were known as uh, fast, or you were a leader, or you were uh, funny, or you were funny looking. Uh, you know, there's all these things, these names we've been given. And these are powerful things, names that we've been given. Um, they're things that sink deep and become a big part of our identity. And a lot of times the names we've been given are not good names. We've heard things like irresponsible, addict, ugly, abuser, strange, lazy, untalented, crazy, failure, worthless, right? Many of us have inherited these names. And many of us have been given other names that seem positive, but in light of our faith may not be so much. Names like powerful better than others self-sufficient and so as we we claim these names instead of maybe the name God wants to give us we keep our distance from the Father maybe out of shame maybe out of fear or maybe to be honest because at points in our lives we have embraced those names those characteristics that's sin right that's falling short of God's hopes for us believing that those are our identities but these are not our, our core identity I was thinking about, again, about my son Elijah. He's four and a half, he will tell you. And he spends less time in timeout than he did a year ago, and even less than he did two years ago. Uh, but like any, any child, you have to, you know, discipline them at times. So there's something that happens in that process when I have to pull Elijah aside and talk to him. And there's, there's an important exchange that has to go on there in my mind. Uh, when he hits Annika in the head because he wanted a toy or something, and I have to talk to him about that. It has to be very clear that I'm disappointed in what he's done. And I always make sure that he can tell me what he's done. He needs to know. It can't just be that I know. You know, and, and we talk about it. And I, and I hear from him and he sits in time out sometimes when, when these things happen. And when he's had some time to think about it, I go over and, and what did you do, Elijah? Why are you in time out? Why are you in trouble? You know, and he explains to me. And like any kid who feels the weight of discipline, he's, you know, sometimes devastated, right? He's crying and these kinds of things. And so there's something really important that happens there. It's really important that he knows that my love has not changed for him. Nothing shifts about my passion or love for him. Nothing he could do would take away my love for him as a father. That will not leave. I'm disappointed in what he's done. He needs to know what he's done. He needs to change. But he also needs to know that I will love him no matter what. So he tells me, you know, you apo he apologizes to me or whoever he did whatever to. And then I hug him and I make sure he knows I love him. And sometimes I do it better than, I, than other times. You know, sometimes I'm not as good at, at, at doing those things. Um, but I think at the end of the day, in general, Elijah knows that I love him. He knows that that won't change. He believes that with all his heart. And this is what God tells us. Henry Nouwen says, calls it the life of the beloved. You know, he says we have to claim that. That this is our, this is our name. Uh, claim our belovedness. So as Ryan painted the picture in the video, we are called friends invited to a party. Meaning we're expected and waited for. We are sons and daughters to a loving father. Meaning that we are treasured above all. We are like the bride coming to the groom at a wedding. Truly beloved. 
The stronger we hear that voice during this season, I think the more we have the, the ability to understand the gift Jesus gave us on the cross, why it all matters, his hope for our, our lives. And when we can better understand the name he's given us, then we'll be better able to give him the name he's worthy of, which is our God and our King. Uh, I thought it would be appropriate to have Ryan share a little more of his artwork. And that is, uh, last summer with the college group, we were going through Psalms, and we took a week where I had the group uh, write a psalm, their own original psalm. And uh, the one that Ryan wrote was, uh, to me, especially significant. So I'm going to have him come out, and uh, it it seemed to tie well into what we're talking about this morning. I'm going to have him share uh, this psalm that he wrote, and then we'll pray. I want to live to impress you. You know me better than I know myself. I will never be able to understand you. I will never be able to understand how much you love me. I cannot measure, I cannot weigh, I cannot gauge. Because there is no separation, there is no break. For so long I searched for how to find you, to find where to begin, to make myself able, better, Sighted to make myself lovable. Frustrated, I worked to find water while I was surrounded by ocean. I could not find light while staring at the sun. Never was it your voice that called me wretched, but my own. Born at the goal, brought into the gift, beginning at the celebration. Your smile was at my birth. At war, In silence, within the storm, let me fight, let me wait, let me dance. I am yours with a bowed knee, my sword, and my drum, with a ring on my finger at this feast in my name. Do not let me dispute your smile. Keep me from interrupting you, calling me son. Let me impress you with my joy. In my gratitude, let me work. In my awe, let me sit. In my allegiance, let me fight. Let me impress you with this gift of life. Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) Ryan is available for creative uh, poetry writing sessions and readings. Uh, Let's pray, and then I have one more thing to tell you about. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of your love and that maybe we can understand it in a new way. You give us so many parables and stories and analogies for us to in some way grasp your passion for us, especially in this season as we look towards the cross, that it would have significance now, here and now, for who we are. You've called us the beloved. Help us to claim that name above any other name we've been told or given. And we thank you, God, and celebrate who you are. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you what we're going to do. A lot of people were asking about that video that Ryan did, and we've made it available on DVD. And it's this simple. If you go to the gathering place and spend $5 at the gathering place, you'll get a free DVD. So remember that the gathering place, the college group runs it, and every every penny of profit over there goes to college missions. So you can buy it for $5, but why would you do that when you can just spend $5 on food and drink, and then you get a free DVD. So I'd encourage you to go over there, and uh, have a great morning. Good to see you.